Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of A Little More Good. I'm Zach. I'm Dean. We got a special episode this week. Yeah, I was just gonna say, I feel like I feel like uh, I've been saying that for like a year now. Every episode is special. <laughs> Love all your children equally, right? That's right. But we are we are pretty excited uh, about today and today's episode because it's kind of like we've crossed the threshold. Last week's episode, which was a great one if you haven't listened to it, with Hillary McBride uh, talking on embodiment, was our fifty-second episode which kind of means we've been at this for a year. And we just thought like, what a cool way to, you know, remember and mark time and, you know, take a pause and just reflect and celebrate the year that's been. Uh, then like, we just wanted to invite May in to have some conversation with us and yeah, maybe flip the script a little bit. Yes. So May Globus, wonderful human being, former podcast alumni, right. host of The Craft and, uh, you know, amazing sound healer, amazing, right. amazing human being. With auto healing, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. If you want some sound therapy in your life, it's the best. Change the game. Yeah, so cool. Anyways, May, I kind of think that she's like the the Krista Tippett of Canada, the on being, uh, the local on being. Yeah, she's just got a wonderful presence and a wonder, wonderful, compassionate way of asking questions and sharing conversation. So uh, this week we had the, the privilege of, of getting to sit down with May and she interviewed the two of us Yeah, to see kind of what we learned from a year of podcasting. Yeah. And it was, it was super fun. And I mean, like full disclosure, I guess we've been doing it a little bit longer than a year, but in terms of like episodes released, we've hit the one year mark. So it's kind of been like maybe the last year and a half ish of like learnings and musings and the inspiration that we've drawn from so many different guests. And honestly, like we could have just done a recap of like every person that sat around the table with us and shared an insight or something that touched us or shaped us or, you know, a new learning we've had. Um, and we, we mentioned a few, but truly like each conversation has been so unique and so special. And we're just like the beneficiaries of the collective wisdom of all of these people that have graced us with their presence. Yeah, we're so lucky. Um, you know, we talk about small victories and small change. And I think 
every every guest we've had has, has less, left an imprint on myself that is hopefully making me a better individual. Yes. I'm going to ask my wife and my kids <laughs> if any, any of it's actually rubbing off, but uh, that's the goal. Yeah, yeah. So this one is really fun. It's, uh, I don't know, it's a bit of like a love, a love in, a love fest, um, which is awesome. And May just asks great questions and draws out reflections and, and thoughts from us. And so we really hope you enjoy it. And also a huge thank you to all of you who have tracked with us, whether it's been for a week, a few weeks, or since we first started doing this, this podcast, we just really appreciate it and are so grateful for your time and your attention and, you know, liking it and sharing it and sending us DMs or stopping us in the street if you see us running or something to say hey like really like that episode or whatever it just means so much so that's you know we're just so so grateful so i guess without any further ado let's turn it over to us and may all right everyone we're here with our dear friend may may globus welcome back to a little more good thank you thank you i am so honored so so honored the yes. queen of good is in the house <laughs> it's true with the kings of good oh. <laughs> So much goodness. Yeah. yeah. So we've kind of got like a fun, a fun little idea or we had this fun idea, you know, a little more good has uh, existed now for a year. Well, there we have like years worth of episodes, which Zach and I look back and we're like, how did that happen? Like on one hand, it exists outside of time and space. And so it is somewhat irrelevant. But at the same time, it just felt like a marker that we're like, this is kind of cool. Like we've done this. We've, t- we've had 52 plus conversations but 15 52 out in the world and maybe we should like mark it and celebrate it and we couldn't think of a better way than having you may join us yeah thank you yes. congratulations guys yeah. 52 thank you. that's thank you. that's a and to you as well yes. yeah I, yeah i think you're a few episodes ahead of us with, yeah i think uh, with maybe just two more but yeah in and around the same thing yeah. and yeah it's been it's been so awesome to see you guys grow in this space too yeah so much fun it's been it's been a wild ride yeah yeah yeah. congratulations thank you thank you yeah i love it i love it for you guys um how does it feel a year in well we're talking we're chatting yesterday just about podcasting in general and how it really lights us up it lights me up speaking for dean i feel like it lights you up definitely every conversation i feel more inspired for life more curious more open-minded um sometimes more uncomfortable because I'm like challenged to think things in new ways. Um, but I feel so selfishly that it's like brought out better versions of, of myself and it just makes me so excited. Um, and we were just talking about like how this has been a side hustle for us, uh, like this whole time. And like as a, as an, uh, on the business side, whenever people come, and ask for business advice. I want to talk business, and I'm like, if it's a side hustle, I'm like, it's not gonna work. You know, you <laughs> gotta commit to it. You gotta go yes. all in. If it's just a side hustle, it'll always stay a side hustle. And um, you know, we're at this point where the, our po- the podcast is our side hustle. Dean's got other jobs as well, and it's so much fun that I'm like, tr- we've been working on manifestation. I'm like, I want this to be a full time thing eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, other things bring stress and uh, other challenges into life, but the podcast is such a positive space. Yeah. So that's my reflection as yeah. of today. How about you, Dean? Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, obviously in many ways very similar um, to what Zach just shared. And I think uh, like when I look at it, um, it's like a collection of stories 
and a collection of people. And the one thing that we kind of even just yesterday after recording an episode we're taught was talking about was how it's like not even it's like not ours. Mm. Like we're kind of like holding this thing and stewards of it, perhaps like sharing it with the world and, you know, doing the work of creating it and, and lining it up. But it's not like Zach and Dean on a little more good or a little more good with Zach and Dean. Like it's, it's just a little more good. And like, it belongs to you may and like the guests and the people and the people that listen to it. And so it really feels not in like a, uh, like egotistical way, but it's like bigger than ourselves. Like it's much more than just us two. Mm-hmm. And, and I like, I really like that because even someone reflect, reflected back to me and they're like, well, your podcast is like, what is it like you what do you talk about and I was like oh we we interview we interview people like people that are doing neat things or have a great story and we just like go along and have really really intentional and meaningful conversations and they were like oh so it's like not just you like sharing insights on stuff I was like no like kind of how boring you know um and so that's where it just like it feels like we've created this community around this table and other tables just like this but Mm -hmm. it is so much bigger than anything that just like Zach or I could do or own you know you hold space and that's I feel that's what the really good podcasters do you're right it Mm -hmm. isn't it isn't about you the host it is always about the guest and it's about you giving them the safe space to be exactly who they are and to share and express exactly who they are and, and what they think and um to 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 take your your point a, a little bit further about all of this being just stories it's also a moment in time because mm-hmm. we're humans and we're constantly evolving so the conversation you have is a memento for the guest and you of all of you at that point in time right yeah it's a record mhm yeah. it's an oral record totally i love that i felt that you know we haven't had is that many guests that are let's say like over 50 and and that's something we want to have you know more wisdom from from people that have more life experience but um for the for the guests that we've had that are let's say 50 plus like that haven't podcasted or shared their story it, it did feel like it was like a capsule like of of their legacy that could be like kind of stored forever for you know their family and their friends and their their own community to to have and to like cherish their their story like I think of one episode with Tim uh Tim Lee from the sanctuary this, he's kind of a a legend here in Steestend the sheriff like, the sheriff we call him <laughs> that everyone just like loves so much he's just like fosters so so many positive things here in Steestend to get the privilege to get to record his story was just like it felt so special knowing that you know so many people love him and they'll be able to like hear his origins or hear you know his adventures on his bike around the world and um yeah it felt like a capsule like capturing his legacy and like i'd like to pursue that more like going forward with like more guests that are you know a little bit a little bit older we get lots of you know people like us that are still figuring things out yeah. you know yeah, yeah. yeah. the yeah. wisdom holders the wisdom you know holders. they've, they've yeah. been through a lot and they have a lot to share and yeah. you know we with some of the older 
folks as well, yeah, they've had so much life and um, maybe haven't had anyone really ask them about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. People forget about the elderly. Right. Which is kind of sad. So must it must have felt so good for him that you guys were interested. Yeah. yeah. We love we love them. We love him and loved that episode. And uh, I think there was that element where when we first approached him, he was kind of like, what? Like, why? Like, why do you want to talk to me? Like, and you know, that it's like genuine humility. Like, what do I have to offer? And then after we recorded, we're like, that was incredible. Like, that's exactly why we wanted you because he's an amazing storyteller who has like a pretty epic story, right? And can just like weave it all together of a dream becoming reality and making like making space, creating a space for people to kind of pursue their passion and dream and meeting them with like a good cup of coffee. And yeah, it's just so fun. It's Mm -hmm. so cool. The other thing that's such a privilege, I think is, and it's happened a number of times is when people, and even with you may, um, we're just having this conversation and something changes in the room and, um, someone shares something that maybe they haven't shared before and they might be very public people, but for whatever reason in the, you know, space that we held or created there was a there was a vulnerability that was permitted and people stepped into that and shared just openly like stories from their lives and you know having people that we know um and have known maybe for years share something about themselves we're like wait what Mm -hmm. like it's uh an immense privilege to hear those and to be able to receive those stories and and to keep them and then share them with others knowing like i've always believed and said early on in the podcast like i think we learn best by listening to stories and we might come from completely different places, backgrounds and have completely different experiences in life. But there might be something that you shared in a story that like connects exactly to like my experience right now or an experience I've had in the past or in the future when I have something I remember like, oh, this is I'm not alone in this or I, there's wisdom that is to be found because I there are other people who've kind of walked this road before me. And so the power of like being able to yeah hold and create and capture these stories for other people to learn and experience and grow from is just awesome and i feel too a hundred percent all of that and also it's a bit of a i don't know if you you guys have had this feedback from guests but i've had some quite a number of guests say i can't remember the last time i thought about my own story and my own origin story and yeah just thinking about how their life has unfolded and so for them it's also just a even an eye-opener just to to say oh my god I've come this far right and the value like I think the value in it we often want to skip it because we're like ah like that's not important like here's my credentials or here's what I'm doing now or here's like why the world validates me as important or cool or interesting but like those origin stories, right? What were you like when you were five? And people are like, how is that? Like, okay, okay. And they go, go into it. And that's often like where, you know, the through line or the thread line of the whole conversation comes back to something or some experience or, or some memory that they have that we would typically gloss over as like unimportant. And yet, like it's often foundational to who we are and the people that we become, right? And so I love mm-hmm. giving giving people that opportunity to, again, like see themselves yeah. or remember their own story. To remember, again. yeah. It is it is a remembering in, yeah. in so many ways. Um, I'm curious to know in the last 365, have there 
have there been moments in a conversation or do, is there a moment for each of you that sticks out where someone said something and you thought to yourself like holy crap that changes my entire perspective like it moved you so much yeah a few uh i shared one with you may when we went for for coffee a few months ago for tea because i don't drink coffee but uh, <laughs> um okay two two come come to mind and i'm sure you have some as well dean but uh when we were talking with juno um about embodiment I don't think I like fully comprehended embodiment um, before that conversation. Uh, like, I I comprehended it in like a, a be here now kind of way, like be present in my body, but I didn't like manifest it or understand it uh, in a de- to a degree of like bringing aspects of our life, whether it's relationship, whether it's money, whether it's business, like embodying that experience. Um, so where it shifted for me and I shared this with you and I think I shared it with you so uh, with my family um, I'm like third or fourth generation to like have their own businesses to have small businesses and all of the previous ones my father's business my grandfather's business and so on they all went bankrupt at some point Um, so there's this like kind of generational I don't want to use the word like trauma, but it's like generation, generational history, uh, repeated history of of failure and financial struggles, and like attachment to that story, and that's how a lot of my family identifies as as that failure or not having succeeded or like having money and then lost it or not having money. Just kind of like that's been a big part of my family's story and it's like a story that I've never liked it always, it's always made me uncomfortable like like my body like I can feel the negativity of my body when my family kind of like has those conversations or just kind of shows up in that way so when Juno was was talking about embodiment I was like oh like our family is embodying this like this lack of abundance financially or or for success uh in business um like they're they're embodying the opposite and they're i wanted to when i heard it i'm like i need to like you know cut this cord and embody abundance and um yeah embody abundance and it really shifted i remember like being in the shower actually and just being like oh like I say these things, I want these things, and I like work for these things, but I don't embody these things, you know? Mm. And I felt the difference, and I'm like working on it still. Like, it's a challenge uh, for myself, especially like COVID's been very challenging for, for our business. Like, we went from, you know, a, what I would perceive as like success and comfort and, and business to like, you know, very challenging couple of years. So it's been like trying to break that cord and like embody abundance for myself and my family. So it's, uh, that was a big learning one. That's huge. From Juno. Yeah. And, you're you're the be, cycle breaker. And being aware <laughs> of that just like shifted mm-hmm. everything for me. So mm-hmm. that, that was, uh, grateful for Juno for, uh, teaching me that lesson. Mm. Never know where those lessons will show up. Right. No, you never yeah. know. Is there something that you 
do? Do you have a tool that you use when you feel yourself embodying the that old story? Right now, I'd say it's like mostly self-awareness, like realizing when I attach to old story or if I'm um, like around family that tells that story that I don't want to be a part of, just accepting their truth but not um, having to participate in it. Um, Because sometimes I've always been really like sensitive to negativity. I'm just like, "Mm, I don't want to be around this. So usually I just like go into like fight or flight in a way when people are negative. I'm like, not, not, not my place. I don't, I don't really, I'll just kind of exit or not engage. So like realizing when that surfaces and like kind of nabbing it before it like kind of affects my my own kind of uh, outlook on things. Mm. So yeah, self-awareness and shifting habit, I think is where I am right now. Mm. But I'm, I'm feeling like I'm battling the old paradigm to make the new paradigm and uh, the work is being done and I'm, I'm hopeful. <laughs> <that> <laughs> Hope is good. I'll, I'll be able to em- embody, uh, you know, a different, a different story for, for my family. Mm. Big yeah. embodiment. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Dean? Yeah. I, I just was like reliving in parts that conversation with Juno as you were going through that. And I mean, yeah, in terms of like um, uh, an episode, a conversation that has significant impact, for sure. Like for sure that one. And maybe especially so like the before and after. Mm. Like just, just his presence even off the, you know, off air, like not recording some of the ways he just carries himself and and the work that we did together like in those spaces was awesome and very profound so definitely like that conversation and we had been talking a lot about like the idea of embodiment and what does that look like um another one that's like similar on that on that like embodied kind of lens is something that is maybe not so much one guest but a thread throughout many of our guests and conversations has been around like body image and indirectly or directly speaking about it um, through their own experiences um, that it was something in their younger years that shaped them Um, Ali Maz, Kate Horseman, Filson like there's been a number of people that have spoken even more um, that have spoken about this kind of reality and like is interesting because I had this awareness within me of like that's something that I have like struggled with but but also in my kind of like boyish way of like growing up um, I just like had enough confidence in me and was good enough at like the sports and the things that I did that it didn't like it didn't matter as much but it was always there and having the conversation specifically with Kate Horseman and it kind of came up this idea of like our body image and like how we see ourselves and how do we love ourselves, um, which was interestingly enough, like kind of the third or fourth conversation in a row that touched on this. And she just, I, I, I to be honest, I don't even remember the question she asked or the thing that led in, but it just made me feel like I've actually lived that negativity towards myself and live it, if I'm quite honest, way more than I ever like openly acknowledged. 
and yeah so and it's still something i guess similar to you zach like trying to trying to part of it's like knowing the battle and then the other part of it is like living it out even now like as someone who's active and you know moderately fit you know is um i still really struggle with it that sense of like i'm not good enough or like you know, I'm the runner, but I'm like not a runner. Like I don't have the runner's body or I don't have that physique or like I'm a full bodied runner is I'll often refer to myself, you know, and, and in some ways it's like, that's fine, but also like what's behind that. Mm. And so kind of understanding within myself, like the way that maybe I've like struggled with that without really paying attention to that. And so some of those conversations really like kind of broke that open for me to see it in a new way um yeah mm. and to try and have like a more loving approach towards myself right yeah i'll go out and run like a pretty decent 10k and you're, then i'll you're a very good runner do you know? <laughs> yeah. just so you know yeah <laughs> you know and rather than necessarily being really like proud of my body and giving thanks for what it can do i will like catch a glimpse of myself in the in the mirror like walking back to like my front door or something and be like oh like I'm so big I'm like too big you know and that's crazy because mm -hmm. no I'm fine like I'm fine how I am I'm quite happy really if I'm honest but like that voice is still in me right and so it's this great effort of a run and not only just being like an able-bodied person and giving thanks for that and starting with gratitude about man i can do these things and you know like it's i'm good at it and i should be grateful for my body it's like i something will, within me wants to see the negative which is kind of like opposite of my whole personality because mm. like i'm generally an optimist all the time right a realist but an optimist yeah and so but towards myself i have that more negative around body image so yeah, that was something that kind of surprised me through wow. conversation. Yeah. yeah, we're we're not very nice to our bodies, are we? Mm -mm. And you know, it's I've thought about this a lot, and I'll share this with you because it was um, something that, uh, yeah, that that it, this happened a couple of months ago. But um, you you guys both know that I went and did my first major psychedelic retreat uh, yes. a couple of months ago. Uh, but before I left, I had a, a call with my doctor because I had some ultrasounds done. Thankfully, everything was, was normal, but I had to get some blood work done. And my doctor is very stoic. She's, you know, in her 60s, and she's really lovely, but she's very stoic. But on this call, she was like, your ultrasounds are fine. But she said, your blood work is excellent. And she was very excited. And she also said, and your cholesterol is really great. If you keep this up, you'll have a really long life. And I was kind of laughing inwardly because I was sort of worried about my cholesterol. I'm like, I think I could eat a little bit better, you know, maybe too many fried chickens yeah. lately. <laughs> um, but uh, so I ended up telling her that for about a year, every morning when I'm having my rituals in the morning, I thank my body. Mm. I just sit there and I just thank it. And I just say, you know, I appreciate you we're getting through this life together. You carry me through. I appreciate you. So I told her this and, and she said, you know, we don't appreciate our bodies enough and how much of a healing tool it is, how strong it, it is in whatever shape or size. Um, 
But what I actually didn't tell her, because I felt maybe this was a little too silly for her, was that uh, when I thank my body, I actually imagine my have you do you do you remember the magic school bus mm-hmm, of course miss yeah. frizz and she goes into the body yes loved it when Cla- i was a kid it's like a classic, classic. Episode. yeah so actually when i'm thanking my body i have my hands over my heart i imagined or i imagine my red blood cells and my white blood cells as cartoon characters with arms and so in my head as i'm thanking it you know they're they're usually having a dance party <laughs> I love this. That's the best. <laughs> or, you know, and, and I can actually feel like the personality of my my blood cells. And so when she gave me the feedback that my blood was really good, I've never had that feedback before. I was like, that's the only thing I'm doing differently, I swear. Wow. And so I feel like, yeah, the power of the mind and visualization and just love, complete love for your your vessel I think the power of energy, the power of love, the power of self-love is something that we don't fully grasp yet. And science is like slowly like proving all this stuff that was woo-woo, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think like like breath work and all these other things that um, you know people are really dedicating time to now, I think like communicating love to yourself is like, mm-hmm. you know, we're just energy and if we're putting that energy back into ourselves like who knows what's possible self-affirmation and possibility and yeah and if you and if you want to have um so shortly after having that conversation um with my doctor and then coming back from my retreat I was um on Instagram and I followed Dr. Joe Dispenza and this is serendipity he was talking about um some experiments that he had recently done in a lab with doctors where they were studying the blood of advanced meditators and how healthy the blood was of of advanced meditators. And so they were calling it royal blood. Royal blood, it was very red. It was really healthy and vibrant. And it was in the bodies of those who, yeah, meditated and Mm -hmm. sat with self and you know, created that space yeah. for themselves. So there is science behind it too, guys. So there you so go. Yeah. Love, yeah. Love science. Lo- I love science so much. Yeah. As much as I love spirituality, I yeah. love science. I usually just trust in the woo-woo and the spirituality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it is nice when science, like, uh, defines yes, it. Yes, yeah. Puts, puts language to it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Puts yeah. a modern-day language yeah. language to it. Yeah. But it's beautiful. It's like It's like indigenous wisdom, right? Things that have always been known for so long, and then we come along with, like, our labs and our... petri dishes and beakers and like western intellect and like validate something and it's like you know the indigenous wisdom is kind of smiling in the corner like yes we've been saying this (laughs) all along yeah right yeah yeah but that's okay because it's sometimes you you know different roads for different people to get to the same conclusion so if like your doctor tells you hey meditation is going to help lower your blood pressure like maybe people will start meditating and then the whole entourage effect of like yeah just having that practice will will help with many other things in life as well right yeah but if it takes the lab coat to tell you then yeah maybe maybe that's what some people need it you know and and that's okay that's okay too yeah. I want some of that royal blood, you know. Yeah. Know, <laughs> Just inject yeah. me with some of that royal <laughs> blood. Full transfusion, royal please. Blood. The new blood doping. That's yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. We need like a royal blood blue zone club. Yeah. Like <laughs> Just everyone hooked up to yeah. <laughs> machines. 
I have a question, another question for you guys. And, you know, I know that you say that it's, it's never about like you guys, but I do like have this question uh, about um, what you think the magic is between the two of you and your hosting. Mm-hmm. Is there a, a yin and yang? Like, why do you think that you as co-hosts work so well? I mean, you obviously wanted to do this together. So there must have been an inherent feeling between the two of you that this could work. Right. And I'd love to know what you think that is. I think it's just classic good cop, bad cop. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who's, who's, yeah. who's what? <laughs> change our hats. Yeah. Honestly, it's so nice. It's We've figured out that kind of rapport more and more as we go on. Yeah. Um, we kind of have a bit of a bit of a system. I've got my notebook here. I'll usually like, we both take our own notes before an episode, but I'll kind of like roadmap what I'm hoping an episode will follow loosely and you know uh dean's got this magic of kind of filling in the the poetics kind of the the deeper the deeper meaning of of these conversations in between and i'll try to kind of direct things to kind of some of the pillars that we're we're hoping to touch on on the conversation um having said that you know we're always just open to being active listeners in the conversation and and seeing where the guest takes us so sometimes we have this roadmap and we don't even touch any of it or we just touch one or two and um but it, it it's also nice in the in the sense where having two perspectives like i can like just take a break and take some notes and dean will ask something and i'll be like i never would have thought of that you know I would have never taken the conversation in that direction and I'll be so happy that he did mm-hmm. and it'll just open up so much more possibility. So it is it is nice having two of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think part of part of what's made it like so fun is that like we just we just like being together. We, I mean, we get on so well, which is obviously a great asset, but like we have kind of the same goals in terms of like what we want to accomplish, even though we might like get there through slightly different means. Um, And the other thing is like, there's just a huge level of trust. Like I never worry or wonder like, Oh, like what's like, what's that going to say or ask? Like, it's just, I just, it's a hundred percent trust in whether it's from like, Hey, I found this guest that I think would be cool. I'm like, let's do it. Uh, Like, there's never a second guess or, or, well, are you sure? Like, what if, you know, your last one was kind of a bust or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's just never happened. So um, I think it's just been like a natural fit. And it's funny because we both decided early on that we wanted to do podcasts. Like we had met each other. We were, you know, fortunate to be invited to be ambassadors for Lululemon. Doing and, goal setting together. We both put down, pot, we want to launch a podcast. podcast. Yeah. Sitting next to each other. And, you know, kind of in varying degrees, like talked about it and kept it up and like checked in with each other. Like, hey, what are you thinking? Like, are you thinking about this and different ideas back and forth through text? And then, you know, I think we've told the story before on the pod, but it bears repeating like classic Zach and Dean, like out on a run. We're just like, wait, like what if we just had these kind of conversations, but like together, like what if that was the podcast? And we just, as we, I think, constantly try to do is like led with curiosity and like ask those questions and then it almost just like felt right like intuitively like oh yeah 
maybe the reason why like we haven't really started our own is because like we're supposed to just do this together mm. right because it is kind of unique to have like two hosts that are essentially the same person <laughs> right people confuse us all the time yeah. that's yeah. hilarious yeah yeah like so, very similar energies yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so but i also think that that's like an asset of ours it's like it's kind of unique and and it creates some cool magic that's like maybe partly orchestrated and the other part is just like living in possibility and curiosity and wonder and expectancy that like we don't know exactly what's going to happen but like something's going to happen and it's probably going to be good yeah. and like because of who else is in the room more than anything like that we're doing yes I love that I love when conversation becomes an adventure yeah totally totally it's almost like so the idea for the podcast started on our runs and like most of our ideas do. And I really do believe that movement like um, is kind of a secret key to opening possibility, whether that's for creativity or for conversation or just what's possible. And, and sometimes why it's funny that you said adventure. Sometimes when we're on these conversations, I, I feel like we're like on a hike together or something like that. Cause I always like when I go for a hike with someone, you know, I haven't done it in a while cause I got young kids, but it'd be like, if you're going for a long hike, you're going to spend like, whole day together like 12 maybe 14 hours together hiking and the conversations are going to be epic and they're going to meander and they're going to go all over the place and like you'll touch on one over here and it'll come back like two or three hours later yeah. and I almost feel like that sense of adventure um while we're podcasting like where is this conversation going to go like where 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 will we end up kind of thing yeah mm -hmm. and we even joked early on like maybe we should just like wear like lapel microphones like as we run because <laughs> we just really enjoyed our conversation and would talk on like any crazy range of number of things from a podcast we listen to a book some spiritual practice or discipline or just like question insight and i mean we just found it kind of like wonderful and fascinating and i was like yeah but there'd be too much like <gasps> <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a lot of heavy breathing so nobody's gonna want darth to vader to that. breathing so, <laughs> <laughs> Even at the beginning, like, because Dean has a, a background as a, as a pastor and a spiritual leader, as kind of like a, as someone that doesn't, like, follow one paradigm in religion, I'd kind of, like, poke holes and ask a lot of questions, yeah, like, yeah. being like, how, how can everyone believe this? And, and through that, I'm, like, way more open-minded to, like, I, I still am not, you know, I don't align with any one religion, but I'm, like, my perspective on Christianity has greatly changed uh, to a positive place because of our conversations. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I think the, the stories and the lessons I've learned from Dean, you know, about, about Jesus and about Christianity have been like very eye-opening and, and educating, uh, educational for myself, which has been cool. Well, that's the thing about dialogue is you create this understanding and compassion for something that you may have not really understood yeah. stood before yeah. um, I've started watching the YouTube videos of Russell Brand yeah. recently oh, yeah, so I don't yeah. know if you guys are, are watching it um, and I think it's just so interesting because he I mean a lot of people you know that don't like you know the things that he's sharing will call him a conspiracy theorist I don't think he he is he is at all he's going out and he's taking a look at um, some very big topics, you know, he'll wealth gap, the pandemic, he'll, he'll look at, you know, um, 
all these kinds of social issues that most of us are, you know, kind of wondering about. Mm -hmm. And he'll go and he'll do a lot of research. Um, and you know, all of that research is open and available. It's just that people don't, don't do it. But the way that he presents it is he presents it in his uniquely, uh, unique ways in his personality, but he never says what I'm saying is right. He always says in the end, what do you guys think? This is just what I think. Leave your comments. I'd love to just hear all of your thoughts. And, uh, and he just, he, he always says stay free. Um, but I don't know. There's there's something really. Um, I feel like what he's trying to do is to create greater understanding, mm. and I think that's really important to good dialogue. But I'd be curious to know what you guys consider good dialogue or good conversation. Like, what what do you feel when you're having that mm. with someone else? Yeah, that's a great convers- uh, great question. Um, for myself, it's almost like I feel like high in a way, like I feel so present. Um, you kind of like lose an attachment to time and space when you're like so like enthralled in a conversation. Um, and we've been so lucky with so many of the guests where I'm just like so curious to, to learn from them. And I think we come, we both come from a place of like being the student and the, and the seeker and being curious. So like we're so open to the lessons that are being, you know, so graciously um, presented through conversation. Um, I almost feel like a kid, you know, like I go back to like a child. I, I kind of like school as a bit of a, a nerd in that sense. So I almost feel like it takes me back to like a childlike uh, innocence, like a magic kind of where, you know, doors are being opened to, to new possibilities. I, I think that's kind of what it feels like in a, a good conversation. Mm. Yeah. And you don't want it to end. You don't mm-hmm. want it to end. Yeah, there's end. like just this magic and excitement. I, no, I, yeah. I, can feel, I, I resonate with that a lot. Yeah. You're usually like, we're usually so energized after too. Yes. Like, wow, like that was so good. And, you know, we talk for too long, <laughs> which is the best part of it. But it's like, that's the, like, that would be the magic is be able to finish a podcast and like go for a run and then talk about like the conversation we just had. Like yeah. that would be, you know, in our, in our ideal world, we do something like that. But for me, it's like the great dialogue, um, is the one that like you lean in for, right? Like it's like kind of got you, you're, you're not just thinking about like, what are you going to say next? Cause sometimes that's just like the, that's more of like the debate or like we want to, we want to rebut whatever the person is saying, or have our two cents added in. But for me, it's like really, really leaning in to listen and to learn uh, regardless of agreement or disagreement, regardless of if like I would do that thing or not do that thing, but to say, okay, like this is an incredible opportunity to like really learn something about this person or from this person that regardless of like how, um, what I think about it, like it will help to shape me and so then you know to lean in from that perspective and then if it's available like ask the next leading question or offer something that like oh what you're saying like I don't often have a question right away based on what someone's saying Zach is way better at that than me but I will have like something that it's made me feel that I'm like oh that I'm like I love to see the connections between things so I will often like name one of those connections and for me like that's when the dialogue is really um the most like 
just fruitful and full is when I when someone's saying something I'm like oh I see it land in me mm. in a way that I like didn't expect and then I want to sh- like I want to share that to be like look that's oh this has made me feel this or I saw this in a totally new way because of like what you were saying there and I just love that I'll, I'll add one more thing too that I've learned through just the last couple of years on the, on the podcast uh to tell you Nana he uh, she came on and we were talking about decolonization and decolonizing practices. And she just talked about like being uncomfortable as like a practice, like leaning into that. If that makes you uncomfortable, then it's like somewhere that you should lean into and, and it's an opportunity to learn. So like finding those places that are uncomfortable and instead of like retreating or, or not doing the work or like if it seems hard, kind of like, you know, backing off for something a little bit easier, like pursuing that, like mm. finding those uncomfortable spaces and also like being open, almost like seeking, I don't know if seeking is the right word, but like looking to be wrong, you know, like mm-hmm. um, that means you're open to changing your perspective and, and you're not attached to it. I think we've been like so polarized in the last couple of years that like everyone's like finger pointing and othering and um, just dividing through through perspective and opinion, and if we can be open or even excited, like oh, I'm wrong, like this is exciting. I, I've got mm. like this new perspective that I can explore and try on and see how it feels. Um, I want to do more of that, you know? Yeah, yeah, and those uncomfortable moments where you're like, oh, yes. okay, that also allows you to go way deep into yourself and, 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 and ask yourself, where, where's this, like, where is this coming from? Or, you know, why am I thinking this way? And yeah. And it just helps you evolve and grow as a, Mm -hmm. as a human. Isn't there some quote where, um, where they say the quality of your life, um, is dependent on how many uncomfortable conversations you're willing to have. Oh, that's good. I like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. it can also be with yourself. Like you know, oh, we were talking earlier about self love and stuff like that. Like having hard conversations and being honest with yourself can be really hard too. Yeah, yeah. of course, and it's that was super brave of you both to to talk about these things that that make you feel really really vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. And it's always a work in it's a work in progress. It's always a work it? in progress. <laughs> you're <yeah>. like, oh, <laughs> you know, there's an area of my life where I could definitely do a little bit. Yeah better oh yeah yeah and i think that's where we're wired similarly is like we both have that kind of like growth mindset like we we want to explore and you know that that theme of like curiosity and wonders is always right there and it's it we're living in that invitation of like okay well what don't we know or you know who's going to help us with our blind spots because we know that we have them like we're you know, top of the pile of privilege over here is like able-bodied, middle-aged, like middle, upper middle-class white guys, right? Like there's so much that we need help seeing that like people have, it's not their job to help us see, Mm. but like where we can begin to like see the blind spots we have and step into those. And it's it's uncomfortable, but it's so important. Mm -hmm. It's so important. And so I think that's a gift of the dialogue too, is like learning from people who have a lot to offer us and it's our responsibility to like listen well and allow those stories and conversations to change how we take up space in the world or how we show up. And I'm, you know, I, we won't 
we won't say it publicly because this things aren't like done yet but just like the way that zach now has even you know in real time like engaged with opportunities that we've been afforded and saying okay cool but how can we show up in a way that honors like other people too mm. and like that's a learning right like i saw an email come through and i was just like filled with joy and pride because i was like yes like and and that's not zach or me being great that's us being afforded the privilege of meaningful conversation with people that have like tweaked our perspective to not just step into a space of like this is a great opportunity for us but like wait okay this is a great opportunity like who who should be there instead of us mm -hmm. right and um yeah so i i feel like you know there's a lot of learning to still do but that is um a huge part of the the growth and the gift of, of this format at least for us i i would say yeah and like you said, what are you going to do with your privilege? Like yeah. we're all very, very privileged to have been born where we were born to, you know, be doing what we're doing. Yeah. What are we going to do with that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. A few people that I've learned a lot from on that topic, Navi Gill, Gian Pablico, Tamara Taggart, um, like Navi really helped, uh, especially being in the wellness space. Um, like it's like, I used to like, I didn't really fully understand or buy into like the white wellness kind of like, uh, kind of, uh, debate, but now I'm like so aware of it. I'm like, shit, I'm not only aware of it, I'm participating in it. Like yeah. I've got a juice bar that sells like ashwagandha and moringa and all these things that are, are ancestral foods from other cultures that aren't mine. So, you know, now we seek out like well why do we need to sell ashwagandha mm -hmm. or moringa like who who else does it that has an ancestral connection to it that does it better than us that mm -hmm. um so kind of like seeing where we're taking up space where we shouldn't be and and inviting others to the table yes. and it doesn't mean that they're going to accept the invitation because that's that's uh you know we're we're still occupying a space um, but I think like being aware of that and yeah, if we all have a seat at the table, how, how does that, um, change how we operate in the world? Like with Tamara, we learned a lot about ableism, which is something like that I rarely consider, you know, it, it's so funny. Like the first time I started to like be aware of it was when I, um, had kids and I'd like be pushing a stroller around and I'd mm -hmm. be like, I can't get the stroller in the store. And I'm like, it's just like, as I push around like a thousand dollar stroller or whatever, I'm like, there's people that like can't, don't have access to this or like um, that can't reach the cereal in the cupboard because kitchens are designed for able bodies yeah. or whatever, yeah. you know, like just um, trying to, to learn from others' perspectives so that we can, you know, have a a truer outlook on on the truth of of this world that we're inhabiting you know mm -hmm. yeah yes this this world is made up of all kinds of people who are living all kinds of lives that we don't understand yes yeah, yeah. So. And, and just to have conversation and to mm -hmm. listen to story might allow us to you know live to, in a in a gentler more compassionate way yes and to consider others mm -hmm. yes consider others yeah. power the power of the story to, to change us right mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. that's why we do this yeah absolutely where 
Where do you think your individual curiosities came from? Is curiosity on a spectrum, do you think? Like everybody has an ability to be extremely curious. It's just maybe something had nurtured you along the way to be extra curious and observant and asking questions. I mean, I was definitely always curious. Like, I think I have to give my parents credit for fostering curiosity. Like, I came from, like, my dad's Jewish. My mom is, like, was born Christian but grew up more, like, Buddhist, Hindu, like, exploring spirituality. Um, I mean, interested in Buddhism and Hinduism, like, just, like, exploring different relationships with God. So I was, like, curious to, like, their beliefs. So I would be like, well, dad's Jewish. You meditate a lot. Like, what's that about? And my dad was an artist or is an artist. So his outlook on how he perceived the world was always a little bit different. So I would, like, ask questions about their relationship to things a lot. That probably just fostered me asking questions a lot in general because I was that, like, like, nerdy kid that had my hand up in school. Yeah, asking why. Yeah, <laughs> why? yeah. Like, I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think for me it was like more like I guess nurture. Mm. Yeah. What about you, Dean? Yeah, I think like as a kid, I don't. I like. I don't really remember myself as like a young kid that was like getting into everything and like super curious about the world. Like, but it definitely started later in life. Like maybe right around early adolescence, like twelve, thirteen. And for me, it's like linked to music. Like there was that start of my desire to like find my own music. Like my parents listened to like country and whatever. And, you know, I was like, I'm anything but that. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, I wanted to learn an instrument and and always loved like listening to music. Like I, I guess as a young kid, I remember listening to my dad. He had like old Credence Clearwater revival like tapes. And so I'd have like a Walkman, I'd listen to it and I can literally like I would envision myself as a kid, like on stage somewhere, like playing a guitar and singing like that. And I had no idea um, that I would end up doing that for like a lot of years, which was kind of interesting later. Uh, And music was a big part of my life, is a big part of my life, but kind of in a more like pseudo like performative and professional way, like you know, I did that, uh, in a, in like a church context. So not like some big rock. I was in bands, but like the majority of my time, like in front of people was kind of in these like more religious spaces. So I'll preface that. So people aren't like, what, what, you're some like rock and roll star. <laughs> yeah. I came to a Christmas concert. It was pretty, pretty hopping. Yeah. Like it was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was, it wasn't just your old like carols. A thousand people there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we had a lot of fun and like performed a lot in like different spaces outside of like conventional kind of like church spaces and stuff but music was always hugely formative for me and I, I began I had this curiosity of like how to make the sounds and so I like taught my I taught myself how to play guitar by like listening to Nirvana and Green Day and just like learning how to make those shapes and sounds by like rewinding my parents must have hated it like they probably <laughs> listened to Smells Like Teen Spirit a thousand times and me like terribly trying to like play and then learn the solo but it's like I could pick up guitar today and play the whole song because it's just like burned into my memory, right? And anyway, so that level of curiosity was always fostered around like how do I learn like the next progression or the next thing or next instrument even. Um, and still, like whenever I hear music, uh, 
I, I love the depth and the layers to it. Like I will listen to a song or an album on repeat 10 to 15 times, like once it comes out to really like appreciate the production. And part of me is just like, how do they do that? And what is that sound? And what is that instrument? Right? So I love that still. Um, and then er, later in high school, like spirituality grabbed me like kind of out of nowhere because our family was like really just not religious and like not spiritual growing up at all. Um, so, and it was never like shunned or bad. Like my dad had some really bad experiences with Christians. So (laughs) sorry, dad, no, (laughs) but it was quite funny. And you know, he, um, I started going to this church and, and I was really interested in it. And it was like kind of, I wasn't interested in church. Uh, I was interested in Jesus and it was kind of this way through like a school project. You had to name your heroes and my heroes I was into social justice in my high school years. So my heroes were Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. And obviously like Dr. King, Reverend, he was Christian. Um, But part of the project was like, who were your heroes, heroes? So you kind of got to go into like their footnotes of like who inspired them, which was a cool thing to do. And both of them cited Jesus. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Like I get it because he's Christian, like MLK is Christian, but like Gandhi, like what? And, you know, as I kind of dug into it, and certainly as I got older, I realized, like, Gandhi had a deep appreciation for the, like, peaceful, non-resistant, like, rebellious attitude that Jesus embodied, but had no time for, like, kind of lackadaisical Christians. And so I found these two guys, and I was just like, okay, if they're people that I aspire to be like, and both of those people, like, have Jesus as, like, a footnote to their life that was someone who's inspirational, I was like, maybe I should, like, seek this out and learn more. So it started me on this journey towards like understanding who this rabbi was, this Jewish rabbi from 2000 years ago and like why he still mattered to people. And that really opened the door for me to like lean into this spiritual discovery Mm. um, that's still ongoing in my life. And so that's where a lot of my curiosity comes from is like the big questions, which I never had as a kid. Like, why are we here? How do we get here? What, What does it all mean? Why does it matter? All of those, all of those beautiful, immensely curious questions that we will ask until, you know, we can no longer ask questions. Right. Oh, that's so interesting that you felt your curiosity came later Mm -hmm. in life. You know, most people will say, oh, you know, I was always a curious kid, you know, but I think that's, that's quite cool that it, Yeah. yeah, I guess everyone's journey with it starts at different, different places, depending on, on where you, where you're at. And actually, I do have a question in and around spirituality and, and transcendence because I feel like all of us at this table are spiritual people in, in, our, in our own ways. Um, and I had this conversation with Steve Rio when he, I know he was on your pod and he came on my pod too. And uh, we were talking about transcendence and I was telling him about, I think it was a Rich Roll podcast that I listened to and he was interviewing Dr. Lisa Miller and she's a, a psychologist and she wrote the, I think, The Spiritual Child, which I, I think was a bestseller. And she has another book that was out at the time where, when he was interviewing her. And she talked about the uh, importance of adolescence feeling a moment of transcendence. And that that moment of transcendence um, often opens the door to spirituality. And I'm wondering, and I, I, I shared with Steve that moment I felt that I felt that. And I'm wondering if you guys had 
a moment of a singular moment of transcendence where you finally understood that it wasn't just about you, mm. that this universe was so, so vast. Gosh, I, I definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know if I've ever told you this story, actually. All so, right. So, so there you go. So while you, while you think, you can listen. Um, in some ways, mine's like very classic, uh, cringy, like evangelical Christian youth camp um <laughs> my parents like like i say i didn't grow up with spirituality at all or christianity or anything so they sent me on this youth retreat over um on uh, gambier island which is just like kind of across from uh seashell there on the sunshine coast and it's a beautiful spot and it's like out in nature and so we're out there and we're just like tubing and wakeboarding and just like having fun this whole week and you know there's like songs and bible stuff and but it was mostly just like a safe place for kids to like go for a week and like have fun. And so it was awesome. And I remember speaking with one person who was one of the leaders there and he was like talking about God and, you know, just like the immense capacity that this being has for love. And that in fact, you know, he's like, I don't know if you've heard it said, but like the, there's a saying that people say like God is love. And he started unpacking this idea that like, don't think about God as some person because we usually think about as like an old man in the sky. He's like, but God is like that feeling of being loved, of like loving something and and really just kind of like being wrapped in this feeling. And I, I got that because like my parents, you know, they weren't, weren't perfect, but they really gave me that sense. So I could like relate to it on kind of like an emotional uh, physical level of like feeling really loved and supported so I got that and I was like okay yeah that's cool like God is love I yeah I can vibe that and then I remember like you know we were down by the campfire and people were just like chatting and they were doing s'mores and all this stuff and then it was like right on the coast and I've always just loved nature and I've like I've born and raised on the coast here of British Columbia and, and you know my dad would always take us up you know or my parents would always take us up but I have these great memories of childhood like canoeing and kayaking along the coast with my dad and so it's just like central to like who I am is like the smell of salt water and like the big trees the arbutus trees and anyway so I'm like laying there on this big rock and the ocean is like at my feet looking up and it's a beautiful August night where you can like see all of the stars that you don't get to see in the city and I remember my the experience of like transcendence was like laying there as a 15 year old who only cares about like getting the next basketball shoes who's the cutest girl in school and like you know whatever like these stupid trivial things laying there and looking up at the stars and being like if there is some sort of being that created all of this and all of it is like love and that being wants to like express love towards me who am I to be like no thank you mm. like why wouldn't I just receive that and that was the moment for me where I was like I I honestly like I had intellectually like I did not know what I was like saying yes to but at like a soul spiritual level which I had never really experienced before it was like a resounding like yeah like yes like I want in on this divine secret of like love that is available to all of us you know and I want to participate in it and, and like accept it and give it mm. and like I didn't 
I didn't really know the conventions of like church and blah, blah, blah at the time. But I just knew that like I had to say yes to this thing. Mm. And like that was the moment where I was kind of cracked open to like spirituality. Wow. Yeah. That's really powerful. Hmm. What a story. I'm still thinking. <laughs> <laughs> What's your story, man? Um, I was, well, while you were talking about this, I was like, oh, you know, in a way, I feel like my moment of transcendence um, was is not apples to apples, but it, it happened in nature. Yeah. Uh, I was around the same age. I think I was about 16. And the school that I went to had this uh, biology sailing trip that you could sign up to, to do. And so... Um, me and my best friend at the time were the last two to sign up for this. And uh, so we drove down to Anacortes and then we sailed up the coast Amazing. and we would stop along the way. And because my best friend and I were the last people to sign up for it, there were no uh, beds on the sailboat for us. So every night we had to take a dinghy and row it ashore pitch a tent oh, no and stay that way <laughs> with no supervision, must, might yeah. I add. Yeah. But, uh, um, I believe it was the second night we were rowing to shore. And as we were rowing to shore, the water around us started to light up with a bioluminescence. Mm, that's incredible. And I remember, and it was just purple and blue, and I've n obviously never seen anything like that before. And I remember thinking to myself, A, this is beautiful. Like, what is this? And then also having this sense of gratitude that I didn't have a bed on that boat because I wouldn't have experienced that had I not had to row ashore every day. And I, I, I know in that moment, I was like, oh yeah, this, this, this universe, there's so much more to this universe than I even know. So yeah, it came through a vessel of, of nature. Isn't it the best? That's cool. Mm -hmm. I think for myself, I'm trying to think of like a good story. I think it was like lots of like small incremental moments that, opened up my perception um, from, you know, death, from like my grandma dying and um, one seeing like my mom's journey with that uh, and my own, like she was kind of like, my mom grew up, like her dad passed when she was like eight or something like that. So her, her mom was like the, the foundation of their family. She was like the tree that held everyone together. Um, so it was very hard for my mom when her, when her mom passed. So it, it put her on her own journey and I was a bystander on, of, of that journey. Like she got deep into Reiki and, and, and deep into like death really. Um, so just being a bystander of that and being curious to that through, through my mom. And then I'd say like, as cheesy it is, like the first time I had my heart broken, <laughs> It kind of put me on a deep spiritual journey. Like I started like just wanting to to be love and be happy. And um, I always knew I was a spiritual, a, a curious about spirituality, but I, I really kind of dove into being a student at that point. Like started reading like, you know, like Celestine Prophecy and mm -hmm. the Peaceful Warrior and the Four Agreements and the Book of Dying and like kind of all these like kind of spiritual adventure texts and um, got me kind of deep into like meditation and curiosity and connection with nature. And then I'd say psychedelics, like uh, like 
doing mushrooms at a young age, like, and deeply connecting with nature, like on mushrooms, um, like showed me God source that everything's connected. Um, and just loving that feeling and that clarity when I like did mushrooms at a young age, I think it like, it made things make sense. And then, you know, further kind of deeper psychedelic experiences in my early twenties, um, from ayahuasca to peyote and, and other kind of experiences kind of like opened up my lens a lot. So I'd say it was like a lot of like incremental moments that, um, opened my, my eyes to, to a spiritual, um, relationship with, with life and universe, but it wasn't like one aha moment, you know? Mm. Yeah. Right. You mentioned the book of dying. I've never heard of that book. Like the, the Tibetan book of, oh. of, of dying. So, um, you know, it's been so long since I, I read it. A lot of these books, I was just like kind of obsessed with spiritual literature at this time that I would read like everything from, you know, like I'd, any religious or spiritual text like I wanted to read. Like, mm -hmm. So I was really interested in like Buddhism and Tibetan philosophy and like... Um, I really did love that like Celestine prophecy series and the Peaceful Warrior series, um, and even like Deepak Chopra's books at the time, like his book Buddha and even his book Jesus, like were really profound for me. Um, and then I, I'd say also like my first backpacking trip in South America, like, and that was like a mixture of adventure and trying new things, psychedelics, nature. Like we did a lot of hiking in Patagonia. Um, and that seeing other cultures and their, their connection to magic and spirit and, and like in South America, there's a lot of magic, um, mm. and there's a lot of belief in magic. And, um, I think, okay, you know what? I got my story. <laughs> it just took some unpacking. <laughs> yeah, it took it some, okay, some layers. I, I had this experience when I was a kid. So we always went to Pender Island, which is my special place. And going back to nature, as you both kind of connected with as well, we would always, so we'd go into the forest and we'd just play and we'd go to the beach and we'd just play. And, and where we rented this property, we still rent it like 36 years later. We've, so it feels like home. Um, we've rented it since I was like born. Um, so we just go into the nature and, and there's like literally like a hundred acres of, um, there's no neighbors or road or anything. It's just forest and beach and um, like mountainous kind of areas. So um, I remember as like a four-year-old, like bringing my stuffed animals into the forest and it just seemed so magic. It was so, it was the nature, it was, but the stuffed animals became part of it, as cheesy mm. as it sounds. Just everything became alive. And I felt like I was like in this alternate like reality, but it seemed it was real, but it didn't it seemed magical mm -hmm. um and i I didn't um when I explained it to people, they'd be like, yeah, that's a story like you you like made that up, you know, like but I was like my stuffed animals myself and the trees were all in this like reality together where everything was alive and whether I made it up or not, it like was my reality at that time. Mm. And it just like at a very young age opened my mind up to like magic. 
Mm. And I think I always like that's why I've always believed in like the woo woo and like the like the spiritual tendencies of life because they're full of magic. Mm. I love that. Yeah, the magic. Took me a little bit to get there. Thanks for your patience. No, (laughs) I love it. I love it. I'm curious to know, um, you were talking about, you know, your backpacking and seeing all these cultures where magic is such a foundational. Yes. um, Like, what did that look like? Like, what what does magic look like to another culture as opposed to how we see magic? Well, it's very real. Um, Like, good magic and dark magic black magic like I remember going to a marketplace in Bolivia and like just like we would go to a farmer's market and there is fruit and vegetables and and baked goods they have like these like old wise ladies with like stories in their you know in their in their eyes and in their wrinkles and uh, they are selling like like they would have like all sorts of things that were intended for either black magic or good magic. And uh, people, regular, everyday people would buy them for to wish somebody, you know, that they'd get pregnant or that they would have a happy, you know, love marriage or, um, or the complete opposite to, like, bring bad luck to a family that has done them wrong or whatever. Like, mm. you would... And it was kind of like, <clears throat> I remember the the backpackers would kind of, some of them would make light of it. Like they would buy the things and like kind of like hide them under people's pillows to like curse them or whatever. But I'm like, don't fuck with that shit. Yeah, I don't think you need you know? to be <laughs> yeah. messing around with black magic. <laughs> and, and then like in later travels, like mm-hmm. in India, like it's so prevalent there. Like it's such a beautiful culture in Nepal. Um, like just bringing in like, you know, for Dina, would for you would be like prayer or whatever, like bringing in like a sense of worship, and to to like a daily practice, like uh, like it's almost like a gratitude thing, like to go give respect to the altar will bring you know good good luck to what whatever God you are praying to or giving offering to would bring mm. some sort of something into your life whether that was love or or luck or health or whatever you were seeking yeah um like more spells like almost but in in south america there was a lot of like yeah like legit like spells Mm -hmm. like herbs like like even like you would see like animal fetuses at the market and stuff like that like yeah interesting stuff Mm. and I remember just asking questions and being like, well, I don't know. I don't, I yeah, where do I, I need to steer I think I should have this from. conversation. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. getting worried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. Oh, yeah. Wow, that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I've said this before on the podcast. Like we, So we had we did this ayahuasca experience in, in, in Peru when I was like 20 years old, so pretty young. Um, and the one thing that the... Um, there's a few things that stuck with me that we've spoken on that the shaman said to me, but one was like, just like how limiting our beliefs are and like what's possible. And he's like, in the West, you, you limit everything so that your, your possibility is, is, is so low because your self belief is, is so in a box. And he said this thing and I've repeated it like a thousand times. Cause I just love it. He had a five year old at the time who would be like, 
I don't know, in her 20s now or whatever. Uh, but he was like, I teach her that she can walk on water, but I also teach her how to swim. Mm. And that was, oh no, I tell her that she can walk on water, but I also teach her how to swim. And that was like the most perfect uh, thing anyone's ever said to me. Wow. <laughs> right. To be prepared. Like you're always prepared still. Yeah. You know? Just, but, but anything's but possible. Anything possible. Mm-hmm. Huh. Wow. I really, wow. Yes, I'm blown away by 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 that that we we keep our possibilities in a in a box it's boxed in yes Mm. and they see it more as limitless yes imagine if we had a limitless perspective limitless self-belief instead of limited self-belief you know like what could we achieve Mm. i wonder why they like i wonder what it is about their way of living that sees possibility as as limitless do you think it's their do you think it's just a great trust they have in I think like something connection to source and yeah nature. To, to, to source yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like connection to universe God whatever you want to call it and, and to nature like the other thing he said to me was like you need to learn to speak with nature to talk to nature and to listen to it and being like kind of the, the hippie kid that I was I was like oh I talk to trees <laughs> like I like legitimately talk to trees and plants and you know he's like but do they talk back like can you hear them and I was like no like not that I have ever heard and I've shared this on the pod, but I'll share it one more time. Um, he's like, okay, sometimes it's best if I just, um, it's easier for, for Western people to see it, to believe it. Um, so he told me my cousin, um, he's like, he had two dogs and he's like, whisper into my ear where you want that dog to sit. And he told my cousin, whisper into my ear where you want that dog to sit. So we both whisper into his ear. And we, you know, we both whispered very different places because uh, they lived on a big farm. And he just looks at both of the dogs, like just looks at both of them. No words are exchanged. And they go and sit exactly where we no. whispered. Yeah. Magic is possible. Right. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, I was 20 years old at the time. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, okay, I believe in anything. I believe anything's possible. Do you guys hear nature now? Does, does it talk I, to you? I still haven't done the work, you know. I love nature, and I talk to nature, but uh, other than uh, f- feeling good in nature, maybe that's it talking to me in some ways, like feeling safe and feeling like connected and and a sense of clarity. I I can't hear. I, mm. I no. I, nature has not spoken to me in a language that I understand. Mm. Mm. Name of the Wind. Yeah, Name, Name of the, the wind. wind. Such a good book. Patrick yeah. Rothfuss, check it out. <laughs> what about you, Dean? Yeah. And, I, and yourself, May. Shamefully, I probably would say, like, not not in a way that I would recognize because um, it's like we're, I'm too disconnected. Hmm. Like too, I'm just too disconnected from being in nature. Um, I feel like every time I am in a proper sense of nature, uh, like I'm restored for sure. Uh, and like be- a better person, more connected. Um, but yeah, I think probably in recent memory that the, the time that I felt the most moved by nature was uh, last summer doing the gross grind which is not really that much nature. I mean, you're on the side of a mountain, but 
and uh, ran up to the very top. So you can go past like the girls grind and get to the very, very top, top of the mountain where there's like the big windmill thing. And that's where there's kind of like nobody around and you can go down the back and kind of get into nature. And so I did that a little bit and just felt like you're close enough that you're like safe, but you're kind of like out there now Mm. in within relative speaking. Uh, And it just felt so good to be kind of like away from everything. Like I couldn't see another person. I couldn't see the city. I was on the backside of the mountain and I just felt like I belonged, like I was part of it. And then I was waiting for, you know, some other people to come up the hill behind me. So it's like, I should probably head back down and, um, had my air, had my like headphones with me. So popped them back in and turned on a song. It was just like kind of an instrumental song. It's, it's in the temple garden by Yusuf Latif. If you're so inclined to listen to it, it's amazing. (laughs) And I just started kind of like running, running down the, the ski run from the top of Grouse back towards like the chalet and everything. And I just was weeping uncontrollably. I just couldn't stop. And it was joy. It was pure joy. But I was just like, why am I crying? Like I'm laughing and crying and it was so weird, but it was just Mm -hmm. like cathartic. So I felt like I got down and I was like, I think nature just like healed me somehow Mm -hmm. from something or that was some, I just felt healed. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Hmm. But that was last summer. That's far too long ago. <laughs> yes, yes. Need another commune, communion with, with nature in that way. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel, I feel like in the last couple of years that, that I can hear it. Amazing. And um, there is this spot in Pacific Spirit Park. And uh, I don't even know how... I think it was my curiosity and I was walking along the one of the trails the the loops and all of a sudden I just kind of looked to my left and I saw um a hollow tree like it looked it almost looked like lightning had struck it down but it had it had fallen upon itself in a way that looked like a a gate that you could go under and I think because I love to bridge to Terabithia growing up I was like I'm just gonna pop under there and see what's on the other side and so I, I went through you know, this hollow, you know, burnt down tree. And uh, I found myself next to this tree. And all of a sudden, I just wanted to touch it. And so I just put my hand there and I could just feel just the energy of the earth course through it. And I decided just to like ask it a question. And I felt inside like it was talking to me, but at the time I was like, is this just my intuition? Is it just opening up my intuition somehow and it's that's what's talking to me? Um, but I remember I was probably there for, for 20 minutes and just kind of like chatting with this tree. And then all of a sudden I, I uh, felt it say to me, you need to go to your car now. And I was like, okay. I went to the car. As soon as I closed the car door, it started to rain. (laughs) Wow. That's cool, man. (laughs) I was like, oh my God. Tree talker. Tree talker. Yeah. Yeah, the wisdom. There was actually a really cool, um, do you know the, um, she's a performance artist. Her name is Marina Abramovic. And uh, she's quite well known. She she did this uh, performance, I believe, at the, one of the bigger New York galleries, um, and anyways, the one that she's she's best known for, and there's a documentary on it, is where she sits in the museum, and you can sit across from her, and you just 
stare into mm-hmm. her eyes. There's no words said, but it's it's very moving if you watch this documentary. Um, but there was this other um, project that she did where she instructed people to go into the forest and to talk to a tree for 15 to 20 minutes and to tell it all of your sorrows. And so it was, you know, they and they'd film this. I, I feel like you can find it on YouTube, but it was very just interesting to hear what the people said after Whoa. they did that. And they everyone was like, I really felt like it listened, like the tree listened, and it took it away. Wow. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm, I am so curious, like, Dean, you mentioned, like, our disconnect with nature, and, and I think there is, like, an immense appreciation for nature here on the West Coast, but I wonder, like, if we did truly re-immerse ourselves, like, spent, you know, days, like, sitting with a tree or something like that, like, what is possible, you know? Mm-hmm. If you just sat, like, you know, people do Vipassana retreats, like, if you did the equivalent, like, somewhere in the forest, like, what experience would you have? Mm. I, I for sure believe that it will start to, you'll yeah. start to hear it. I, yeah. it's, all, it's all talking to us. Yeah. It's whether you're tuned into the frequency of, mm, right. of hearing it. And yeah. we've seen that, like we talked about that on our podcast together. There's, you can connect uh, whatever it is, like the electro. Um, yes. Maybe you can explain it. You can connect it to trees and plants and it gives you like the, the music frequency. Yeah, frequency, yeah. Yeah. Isn't there a guy in North Van that's connecting that stuff to mushrooms and yeah. it's yes. like this crazy psychedelic music? Yeah, and, and old growth trees and stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, even think about it right now. You know, we're sitting in this room. This is how we're perceiving reality. Yes. But there's a whole other layer of reality that we do not hear and yes. we do not see. Yes. So this looks, if, if someone was like, okay, let's. Let's look at reality in all of its entirety. It, mm-hmm. it would be crazy. Yeah. That's yeah. a lot to unpack. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Leave it to me to yeah. talk about like <laughs> different dimensions. Yeah. And... It's like, are we going to the multiverse right yeah. now? <laughs> okay. you know Speaking of I the got multiverse. A, I got my passport. Yeah. <laughs> me too. I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, I'm vaccinated. <laughs> oh, oh, Passport's just, not expired. Let's I, do this, guys. I just meant my actual passport. But <laughs> still. Yeah. They're like, sorry. <laughs> you cannot come into the multiverse. Speaking of multiverse, when I was uh, coming back from Toronto, I was on Air Canada and I watched the Spider Man No Way Home. Yes. With oh, okay. all the multiverse. Oh my gosh, yes. I was so teary when the old Spider Man's, like when, when the uh, Peter Parker's from, you know, yeah. before showed up. Yeah. And the whole interaction between that, I was like wiping away <laughs> tears Marvel's, as they were. Marvel's deep. Yeah. Well, I feel like that one was, was especially Strange deep. Too. But anyway, the multiverse, multiverse. and different realities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you guys have hope for humanity? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm an optimist by by nature, but I, I believe, like, I mean, Dean mentioned this, like, indigenous sciences, like, we have all the answers. We just need to, like, smarten up, you know? And I think there's kind of this this old paradigm is hanging on to whatever power is left, but they know they know like energetically speaking that they're losing and it's over and i think you know people are becoming more connected to nature and more connected to 
you know, the other, like we've had a lot of movements. We've had the BLM um, movement. We've had like so many movements in the, the past year that are, if your eyes are open, like you're, you're having to, or not having to, but you're, there's opportunities to learn about others' experiences. So I think if we can continue to learn from others and continue to connect to nature and connect to ourselves, because I think it's all mind, body, soul, you know, I think treating ourselves well will we'll probably treat the planet better and we'll treat others better. So I think if we can learn to love ourselves, we'll learn to love others and we'll learn to love the planet. And um, that gives me hope. Mm-hmm. 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 Eugene? Definitely. We're in the apocalypse. Mm. And that, yeah, that makes me so hopeful. And that's not a, that's not like a religious statement. But I like to say it because people are like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Apocalypse just means unveiling. Mm. Like a, like it's like pulling back the curtain or, or lifting off the cover right here, like some fancy thing. And you can see that there's something under the cover, the table cover, and then someone pulls it off. Like the word that would be used for that is like apocalypse, like unveiling or uncovering. And we're in that right now. Like as Zach said, with like the Black Lives Matter movement, Me Too movement, um, indigenous lives here in Canada, like mm-hmm. the, the conversation around residential schools and the work that needs to be done to actually honor like the 94 calls to action in the truth and reconciliation report. Like we're at a place now where, you know, not in all cases, but in many cases, like what was covered is, is being uncovered or has been uncovered. And now we're at the place of like, okay, here is our work. And so I, I'm immensely hopeful because, you know, I, I'm involved with, um, with youth, a lot of youth at the school that I teach, and I'm deeply hopeful just by being around young people. Like, if you don't have hope for the world, get on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And, like, don't just watch dances, but, like, see what kids are creating and doing and what they care about. Or, like, yeah, I mean, it's awkward and not everyone would know how to do it, but, like, have a conversation with, like, someone who's, 10, 15, 20 years younger than you and like see the passion that they have. People think, oh, they're so apathetic, young people, this and that, but not a chance. Like the future is bright Mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And I think what we're going to see is a lot of old paradigms die or begin to die. And in that there's going to be a lot of like white knuckling it to hold on to how things, you know, the most dangerous phrase in the world, but this is how we've always done it. Yeah. There's a lot of that that will happen still, unfortunately. But I mean, if you look at the world today, we can point out all of the things that are like, you know, really, really bad. But on the whole, like we are living in a time where more people have the most access to like their human rights and accessibility to people who will care for them and nurture them and help elevate them than ever before right Mm -hmm. there's a lot of awful things that are still happening um but i think that for the most for the most part like we are moving this this whole ride that we're on you know the human experience it's there's a trajectory like we're going somewhere and the net movement is like in the right direction and the voice is calling for like creation care, planetary care, care for, you know, the marginalized, like those voices are growing and getting louder. And so that just fills me with like a deep sense of hope and joy, honestly, 
in the midst of like, oh, this shit sucks right now. Mm-hmm. But like, those are the moments where I'm like, oh, okay, yes, yeah. there's hope. I, you know, it's just, you're talking about, you know, the, the old systems dying and we're going to have to white knuckle it for a little while. And I mean, yeah, there's, they're starting to crumble. People are just saying a lot more these days. Well, that just doesn't make sense anymore. Yes. Mm, Like how did that ever come to be? Right. Like if I take a look at, you know, what's happening with Roe and Wade and, you know, and just to see people say, what, how is it that these people have a say over someone's body and that it's been this way that it makes no sense no it makes makes zero sense sense. even in canada i saw like like 88 of the conservative uh you know peace yeah um were you know against abortion Mm -hmm. it's crazy like we we like to be like you know canada's not like that but it is Mm -hmm. it is like we have just as many you know, uh, the residential schools have made that very apparent. Like, we are not a country without, uh, you know, deep, deep, dark, dark things things mm-hmm. that have, have got us to where we are. And there has to be that revealing and mm-hmm. that healing and that re- reconciliation and, and action taken to, to heal. Um, but I think pulling that tablecloth off is and, and seeing things that are ugly and uncomfortable um, are necessary for us to to move forward because mm-hmm. uh, it's our, our human history is full of ugly uncomfortable things that I'm sure we'd love to sweep under a rug right mm-hmm. and change won't happen you know change is happening yeah the change that you know we hope to see in this utopian where it's not going to happen in our generation but I think you're right like the net moving forward I mean that's happened from generation to generation exactly um so i have i have hope too yeah good, good. yeah if you have hope if you didn't have yeah. hope i'd be worried yeah that's right. <laughs> be oh, like fuck. oh who are you <laughs> <laughs> i'm an optimist realist like yes. both of you so yeah. and well, i've always kind of identified as, as that and yeah it's uh it's it's just the way that i'd like i prefer to to live I think our generation has like an interesting space too. I think we're a bit of a bridge. Mm. Um, you know, we're connected to both the past and the future. Um, so I think we like are, are stewards in some ways of, of connecting that gap and like hopefully like opening paths that will allow future generations to be on the, on the right path. Yeah. If I could be so bold, I think probably one of the greatest struggles uh, that like our kind of generation, the generation that you just named this, maybe we're like the bridge, the bridge kids or something, (laughs) (laughs) but the greatest, the greatest challenge we will face is like having the desire for things to be different, but not being the ones who are actually going to change it. Mm. but holding or creating a pathway or being some sort of bridge. I don't know. I just kind of like figuring, working this metaphor as I'm talking, but like we're not going to be the ones to change it, but that doesn't mean that we can't be all in on the work of changing it. Yeah. Right. But it's not going to be us. Like in some ways it's, it's change takes time. Yeah. And like, I, I hope, I hope to see it. I hope to see it. Right. Keep drinking my juice and going for runs. (laughs) loving my blood cells but like the the reality is like we might not 
it might be two generations. Like it might be, it might be our kids' kids or their mm-hmm. friends and their crews that are going to like actually do it. But we have the responsibility now to start paving the path and making way that they would come through and actually take it further. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we're not, I think that many ways, like we're the, we're the, the golden generation we see it as like, it's this changing the world and doing, you can do anything. And we all got ribbons, whether you win one or lost. So we're all winners and we're all going to be the best at something. And it's like, no, no, we're not. We're not all going to be the best. We're not all going to change the world, but that doesn't mean that you don't have a role to play. It doesn't give you like off scot-free from not caring about your neighbor or the person across from you who's different than you or sees things differently than you. Like we got to show up so that the future can be the change that like, you know, we want to see. Yeah. And just to go back to something that that you said is, you know, starting by being better with yourself. Mm Mm-hmm is the first thing and I do think that our generation is probably one of the generations that is looking at our emotional tools and how do we handle these things and and I think this is a really good start because the more that we can understand ourselves the more that we will have will be better parents if you happen to be a parent or a mentor to if you're not a parent you're probably an, an aunt or an uncle or a mentor to someone and um, yeah and it's just going to be a passing passing down that way which is a great segue into one of my um, final questions is you both have young kids and I'd love to know with everything that's happening in this world and it's it's a it's hard to you were you were sharing before Dean that you know your your daughter was asking you know why is this teacher acting this way to their students and you know how do you explain this this question is a bit twofold how do you explain um, when your child comes to you and asks like something in and around conflict they see in the world? How do you handle that conversation? And then also, how do you want them to be as humans in this world? Mm. I mean, I, I'm still learning a lot. I, I learned from Dean as well. Like, Dean is very honest with his kids. Like, I remember, like, um, such a like simple example, but like, like. I remember when Finn's almost five now, but when he was like three, seeing like a bug that was dead or a worm that was dead. And I'd be like, I'd use like euphemisms or like make up stories so that he didn't have to like deal with hard truths for the world. So I'd be like, it's having a nap or, you know, it's just asleep right now. Let's, let's let it rest. And I was talking to Dean and Dean's like, no, I just tell him that it's, it's dead. And I, I think our, our, our children are, are, are very capable of comprehending things and it's intuitive for them if we um, allow for those conversations. Like I think now with Finn, he's, like I mentioned, he's almost five and he understands climate change better than most adults. And it's just because it's intuitive for him. Like it's like it makes sense because things make sense for, for little humans. Like and for for veganism like we were raising our family vegan and he's like of course like why would i eat an animal like i i watch tv shows with animals and i read books with animals and we go to like farms to see animals like why would i want to consume like why would i eat them they're something that i love and like connecting it to to the climate like he likes being in nature so why would why would he cut down trees for for farms to create farms for cattle so we could eat cows? You know, like it all, it actually all like makes 
very clear sense to him in a lot of ways. So I think like knowing that they have in their in their youthful magic have a wisdom as well. I don't even know if I'm answering the question or where I'm going, but I think they can understand things uh, in a way that is not clouded like our adult brains can be. And, and if we can allow them to see big things with the clarity of their minds, it, they can navigate things, you know, in a, in a simpler way. We just have to, like, get out of the way. Mm. Mm. I don't know if that answers anything. No, it connects yeah. back to your yeah, question. No, yeah, no, it, it, it does. Yeah. You, Sorry, remind me, because now I was listening to Zach and, like, <laughs> lost in your, in your story. How? Yeah, so the question was twofold, one being how do you, how do you handle it mm. when your child comes to you right. Yeah, with a question that is about something hard, and then how do you want them to be as humans in the world? Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, well, like Zach tipped my hand, maybe I always just try to be as honest as po- possible, right, for, you know, their their ages and try to explain it in a way that they can, like, grasp. Because sometimes kids ask, like, big questions. Oh, yeah. And you're like, oh, man, like, you, it, it's a work for us. And I think the easy thing for busy, tired parents is to be like, oh, like, don't worry about it. Because then it's like, but really, it's it's not that you don't want them to worry about it. It's just like, how the hell am I going to like answer that question? <laughs> like, it's a lot of work. And so for me, it's like being uh, really honest with them. And especially around things like like death, because our kids like had asked a couple times. And, you know, my my grandma is like well into her 90s. And, you know, there's been a few times where we've talked about it. And they're like, you know, my youngest is like, is, is Jima like, is Jima going to die? And we're like, well, yeah, of course. Like, and I said, Joelle, like, we're all, we're all going to die one day. Like, that's kind of part of the whole thing, right? Everybody's born and everybody is going to die. And we don't know when. And we, sometimes it's really sad because some people like, they're like Jima and they get to live a really long life and then they die. And some people like die really soon and early. And she's like, could that happen to me? And I was like, yeah, I really, really hope that it never does. But yeah, it's possible. And like, that's a scary thought for a kid. And as your dad, like you don't want to scare your kids, but at the same time, it's like, it's possible. Mm. Like I, we all know people where it's like, what, how did that happen? Like young, healthy person, like how, what? And not just like some tragic car accident or something, but like a weird medical thing. And you're like, that doesn't make sense. And so trying to create space for kids to know like how the world works. And there's like an element of like chaos and uncertainty, but that doesn't make it any less beautiful or meaningful. And like, in fact, that makes like right here and right now the most important and precious thing because we don't know. We don't know. And like, I would be more uncomfortable saying to, you know, at the time, like my four, four year old, like, oh, don't worry, honey, like you're going to live until you're 90. Right. And then something happens where she's faced with reality that she's not going to have that and be like, my dad lied to me. Hmm. No, like I don't ever want them to think that. And so, yeah, it's trying to be honest and, and supportive and caring and reassuring them that like, you know what, we're, we're always going to love you and be here for you and no matter what, but like, this is the reality of our world. And that's why 
I say I love you every morning and mm-hmm. when I go leave every day because like not to be like a fear monger but just like because it matters that you know that every time I see you even though you're like yeah like you know, mm-hmm. don't kiss me I'm watching my show or whatever right they need to know that like they're the most important little things to me right. and so and and same like how do I want them to be my goodness I just like compassionate people mm. and kind people and uh, you know by any measure of just like luck and you know I don't know maybe their grandparents or something like they they are like it's so amazing to see when like your little humans like care for someone else because like that age it's like they're supposed to be selfish like their world exists for them and them only and but when I see them like with their friends or a stranger uh just be kind or be caring or like have an awareness of someone else and their need like that's incredible and so just trying to like foster that and encourage that and you know again like remind them of how fortunate we are that not everybody has it like we do I I remember early on in the pandemic when like our grocery store shelves were empty and like we came to the save on that's like right here and my oldest daughter Naya was like what like what where is everything right and I explained to her like well it's like this weird time that we're in and da, da, da. And I said but you know what kiddo like there's lots of people in the world who outside of this crazy like COVID thing that we're in this is what their grocery store looks like all the time you don't know if you're going to be able to go and get you know those chips or <laughs> toilet paper or what you know these fruits and vegetables that are just we they're always there and I was like, a lot of people in the world, this is like how they live all the time. And for her, she was like, whoa, like, whoa, right? So just trying to like connect them mm. and help them to be global citizens that like care about the world and see the world and yeah, care about the environment, all of those things that, you know, we're brainwashing our kids to do. Yeah. <laughs> but, um. and, but on that note too, even I say that jokingly, but to honestly like figure it out for themselves. And to trust that they're smart and capable, capable enough to handle yeah. the heaviness of yeah. Of, yeah. of life because that that is life. It's both things. It's yeah. light and it's heavy. Yeah. yeah. And most of the time I think like if kids are asking those questions, it's because they genuinely have some awareness, but they want to check it out with someone they trust, mom or dad or grandma or grandpa or whatever, whoever it might be, aunt, uncle, whatever they have some curiosity or they have some level of awareness that like, wait a second, people die. Hmm. Like I need to ask about this and what is it? And so like, that's where, I don't know. I just, I would rather, we're all going to mess up our kids. We're all going to like, right. (laughs) But I would rather like mess up in the direction of like trying to treat them, like give, give them the dignity of being like, yeah, no, you know what? You can handle this. Like you're four and I get it. Like for some people, they're probably like, that's crazy. Don't talk to your four year old (laughs) about death. But not so many years ago, you couldn't escape it because grandma and grandpa and elders from the community like lived right there with you. And you would see, there was no hospital where they would go to die in like sterile environments that you would go visiting one hour a day or something or not bring the kids because it's too hard for them to see. Like grandma and grandpa died right there in the hut in the village mm-hmm. with us. So like kids knew about death and like we made it. Those cultures and communities that still live that way, like they've, they're probably better because they understand and appreciate. There's a reverence for for sure for mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I think just to briefly answer the second part of the question, if I could pass three values down, I'd want, I hope that I can distill curiosity, compassion, and possibility to my kids. Mm. If they can live with those three kind of pillars, um, I'll be, I'll be happy. Yeah, they'll be a well-rounded human. So two more questions for you guys. Uh, second to last. Okay. Dean, how does Zach make you a better person? <laughs> Zach, how does Dean make you a better person? Okay. Oh, man. I think Zach uh, has the amazing ability to, like, we t- he talks all about potential and possibility, and he sees that in people. He sees people's... He sees people maybe in a way that they don't see themselves. And I think that's true for me. And I think you've, uh, you've helped me become a better person, um, simply by like naming things and calling things out that are in me and I know, but I wouldn't necessarily like live into. Um, so yeah, I'm deeply appreciative of you for that. And just the way that you like connect people. Like I, I know that my life is so much richer because of like the types of connections and people that you've introduced me to and said, you got to like meet this person or, Oh man, like this is going to be so good and you're going to love this person. And it's always true. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, I'm forever grateful for like our friendship and the way that you've just helped me to be a better person all around for sure. Well, thank you, Dean. Ditto. I mean, I think to have a little love fest here. Yeah. Um, I think Dean and I are both dreamers, and Dean's someone that I get to to dream with. Uh, we go on these runs, and we have these conversations, and we do these podcasts where we truly live in possibility, and it's 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 a nice place, and it, and to be able to share that with somebody makes it makes those dreams truly seem possible. Um, I think I, even though I'm an outgoing person, I'm very truly introverted and my preference is often to be alone. Um, But with Dean, I think I can express those dreams and those ideas and and those goals. And um, it's someone that I'm comfortable with um, to hope for, hope to actualize them. And, and, I actually was thinking about this the other day. Like, Steveson would be, I'd be very lonely in Steveson if it weren't for, for you. So I'm very grateful. Like, we live, like, 500 meters from each other. And and I think we all, like, uh, I see you as a soul brother. Like, mm-hmm. we, we're, like, share a consciousness, um, a, like, a like-minded consciousness. And I think we're, we're lucky when we meet soul family. Yeah. Um, and Dean, you very much feel like a, a soul brother to myself. Totally. So yeah. I'm I'm grateful that our paths have connected and that we get to to share one. So definitely. Uh, so thank you, May, for allowing me to to share share the love I have uh, for Dean. Thank of course, <laughs> it's all it's all love, guys. Yeah. It's it's and all I mean, love. Shout out to Jesse. We've always shouted at Jesse out on the pod. My sister. We, I don't. <laughs> I don't know if she, she ever listens. listens. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think my sister listens to my yeah. daughter. <laughs> she was the she was the matchmaker. She just knew. She knew. She's like yeah. she's because we were we were friends and obviously they're siblings. 
she'd say to Zach, yeah. you gotta hang out with Dean. And she'd say to me, you gotta get together with my brother. Like you guys are the same person. And she, it's true. She honestly said it for like a decade. Yeah. And I'd, I'd like see Dean like here and there. And I'd be like, hey, what's up, man? And like, that was it. Like we never like, <laughs> Just like oh, he's got cool hats yeah. or like he's got cool fashion. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're finally connected. Once we uh, opened the juice truck here in yeah. Houston, and uh, the, moment, the moment was right. It's been, yeah, it's been uh, love and bromance, and <laughs> it's true. All sorts of good, nothing but good things, you yeah. know. Yeah. You know, positive I, trail. I love witnessing bromances. To see men just say to express like yeah. Yeah. their appreciation, their deep appreciation for for yeah. each other is, yeah, it's just a really nice. It's a beautiful thing to witness. Yeah. And I guess I get to turn the question over to you guys that you ask everyone. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what does it mean to do a little more good yeah. in the world? You know what? We've been so fortunate to hear everyone's, um, their take on a little more good. And um, it always inspires me because there's so many ways to incorporate and project good into your life, into others' lives. And, I truly think just like the name a little more good, it's 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 small incremental things. Um, I think big change can be intimidating or difficult or at times seem impossible, but small changes and small victories um, open doors to, to so much more. So if we can to, you know, wake up like you, you do and, and tell our body that I, I love I love my legs, I love my arms, I love my eyes, I love my lungs. If we can, you know, smile at a stranger when they walk by, if we can, you know, go to, when we go to A&W, it might seem silly if we can order the Beyond Meat Burger instead of the Beef Burger. Like, these are all small things that have, if done in scale or if done with consistency, have capacity for incredible positive change. So... I think to believe that small incremental things and celebrating the small victories are the big victories and are the big changes. So that's a little more good for me. I love it. Yes. Yes. And also for anyone who's like a future guest that's listening or a past guest, <laughs> these are these are not the answers. Okay, just because it's us. Yes. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's all it's all of the answers and, and beyond. But for me, it's quite simply um, a little more good. When I think about it, I just think about it's um, it's every it's everywhere, it's everything, and it's everyone. And what I mean by that is how I want to show up in the world. Everywhere I go, I want to create space for a little more good. Whether that's me doing something, or whether that's simply by you know allowing for something to happen around me. Um, everything I do I want it to be like a thing that creates a little bit more good whatever it is wherever wh whoever it's with whatever I'm doing I want that feeling to resonate and with everyone that I encounter from my kids to my spouse to family the person who is like human sandpaper to me at times but I want to love them anyway I want everyone that encounters me to feel a little more good after having been in my orbit that's what it means for me is just everywhere everything and everyone a little bit more good
Can I jump jump on Dean's uh, way for a second here? Just surf it a little further. Um, one thing we're, we've talked about a few times is just like a lens of how to see the world. Um, you know, if you're, I'll you just use my own example of being a vegan, it's a lens to how you make decisions. Uh, if you're an environmentalist, it's a lens to how you make decisions. If you're a marathon runner, it's a lens to how you make decisions. I think you can use like a little more good as a lens to make decisions because there, there is a spectrum of, of good and it, it can be subjective. But if you can be like, hey, I want this T-shirt. Okay, what is a little more, what is a version that's a little more good of this T-shirt? Maybe, okay, it's not like, it's not a fast fashion T-shirt. Maybe it's something that's that's made sustainably. Okay, what's what's... Where can I take that? Okay, maybe that's enough for today. That's a small step. I'm gonna, instead of choosing fast fashion, I'm gonna find a sustainable practice. And then maybe from there it's like, okay, what's something that's sustainable and made locally and sold by a small business? Like you can take these needs and these wants or these decisions that are happening in your day to day and use this filter of a little more good to, to foster more good in your your whole community and it's just like small decisions that you know if you buy that t-shirt that's made locally at a small business you know in your neighborhood versus you know getting it from you know the gap or you know forever 21 or whatever you've now you know had an impact on a local maker on a local store um that's just gonna like ripple and i think using that as a lens for decision making can lead to you know this world that we're hopeful for mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i love that it's uh, it's a north star it's a it's a compass yes that's good i like that you guys i have so much love for you both thank you it's just it's such a privilege thank you for asking me to to be here i mean i would have been here in a heartbeat anyway just to have a conversation with you guys um but i'm i'm so appreciative of you both and you're such good humans and such good men and fathers and i am lucky to be in your orbit mm. likewise may thank yeah. you thank you for saying yes <laughs> and for for sharing community with us yeah of course anytime thank deeply, you deeply appreciative of you there we go I, I hope you guys enjoyed this week's guest so good that, those might have been our worst guests yet yeah nice guys though I think. <laughs> it seemed maybe, okay maybe kind of superficial <laughs> superficial goals uh, yeah <laughs> but honestly so good huge thanks to may globus our good friend from the craft pod for walking walking through that with us and just uh, leading us so well with her thoughtful um and engaging and just wonderful questions so so grateful for her and and the biggest thank you to all of you that have made it this far yes we're so grateful for every single listen uh it's so fun to to be able to share this journey with with anybody that's tuning in whether that's on spotify or google or apple or wherever you get your pods yeah uh yeah just super grateful for all of you and and we got big plans and big goals for for the next year of podcasting and that's right we're excited to keep growing, keep evolving, keep learning, and you know, try some new things out that uh, we didn't try out in year one. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, um, just to echo that, what Zach was saying, thank you so much. We also uh, we love feedback. We love to to hear from people who listen and who find value in the pods we put out. Um, so by by nothing short of just like an open invitation 
feel free to comment on your episodes on those platforms or better yet, just send us a message on uh, Instagram, a little more good. You can find us there. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you'd like to see. If you have guests that you think would be great, uh, connect us. We're always looking for you know new friends and new conversations. So we would just love to hear from you, the listener, um, and just allow you to be part of the goodness. So thank you, thank you, thank you, and continue to just follow along and be engaged as much as you're you're able but we're so grateful for each and every one of you thanks everybody yeah to many more episodes and years ahead peace hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.